an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March, and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Get this week started right. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome into the Lombardi Line presented by DraftKings. Alongside three-time Super Bowl winning executive and strategist Michael Lombardi, Stormy Bonatoni with you. Lots to get to today. We've got some hoops talk in the association in college basketball. The Combine, we are officially one week away from that. So some draft talk a little bit later on in the show and uh, a happy weekend i hope michael how are you today what's going on are they still scoring out there in the nba i mean they I just so. still shooting from half court i mean what was that stormy i mean seriously they think that was television the nba's broken i mean let's be clear like i mean they're not appealing to the general public you go back and watch some of the games that were all-star games in the past when the players tried uh, that was embarrassing. Didn't you feel that way? It so, was really embarrassing. How about you missed it? You were you were resting over the weekend. Well deserved, by the you. way. The, how about the rhetoric about well, the, you know, the commissioner said he told everybody we got to put on a better show. That really responded well, huh? That oh worked. yeah, Adam Silver looked enthusiastic as he was handing out the post game hardware <laughs> for the trophy ceremony. <laughs> Woof. Uh, yeah. So for anybody who missed it, a a an NBA All Star Game record two hundred eleven points for the East, who beats the West two eleven to one eighty six. So for all of the talk, as you referenced about this being a more competitive game, we saw that total go from I want to say it was 364 and a half I have here 364 and a half all the way down to a closing number of 353 and a half so there's all this love to the under and then we get 397 total points in a game it was crazy and also from a betting perspective Dame Lillard ends up winning MVP so he wins the three-point contest second year in a row wins MVP he wasn't even in the top 10 of people that were being bet for MVP 2.7 percent of the tickets and handle coming in on Dame for this thing and, and he takes it away I mean, my question to you is, did anybody break a sweat? I mean, what what did uh, who said it? I forget. Somebody said there are better pickup games you can watch. I'm telling you, down here on 6th Street in Ocean City in the summertime, we got better pickup games than that game. I mean, you know, at least they're trying and they're running around. That 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 to me was not good. It's not good for the game. I mean, you know, you got to try to get people where you own the stage right now and you have the great ability to take over and college basketball will do it because they're, they're out there competing. But that was not good. It, and and Michael, that was disappointing. Michael, I was is the only thing that would change it money like because they're so money motivated. We saw what that did for the in-season tournament. And I, I no. know that these guys are paid a ton and you think it should just be an honor to be an all star. But is money motivation the only thing that works for these guys? 
You know, I don't think so. I think we're in a, we're in a part of our lives where load management is important. Rest your body. I think they go there for the festivities and it's great and it's a connection. But like the Pro Bowl, you know, the Pro Bowl, you're worried about getting hurt in. So they had to take away that game. And I think players are in this game are worried about, you know, that, that why should I extend when I got to play Thursday? I've got stuff going on. I've got to worry about my load management, my numbers, all those things. I, I, it's just a different world. And the, the performance coaches are all talking about how they have to have this, you know, you got to rest and you got to, you know, take some time off. I just think it's ingrained into what we're doing. I don't think you're going to change it. I don't think money's going to change it. it. We heard Damian Lillard and LeBron both after the game saying a lot of similar sentiments from Adam Silver prior to the game, saying that they wanted it to be more competitive um, afterwards. So we'll see if there's anything they can do to change it. I just don't know. I hate like having a gripe with something and complaining about it, but then not having any solutions. And I just, I don't know what would fix it or if it's fixable, or if you just want to let the guys go do what they're doing and have fun. I mean, Luka Doncic, who was the most bet player prop over his 10 and a half points, by the way, only puts up seven. And I love what Draymond Green was saying before beforehand. He's like, he'll never win MVP in this game because he, he and like Nikola Jokic, they, they just don't care. They'll never care enough to win MVP. He shot a three from the opposite three points point line Michael like he tried to alley-oop to himself yeah. and missed it was rough I know and you know I and I think just to me the players they just don't want to really it's unless it affects the pocketbook right so we're gonna wait and see what the ratings are the NFL Super Bowl got 123 million viewers we know the spot the sports incredible they will not get 123 million viewers for the entire seven game series uh, if they go seven games in the NBA finals we know that and eventually these ratings that are declining in the NBA which we don't ever see them but they are, it's going to affect the players' pocketbooks because it's all directed to the salary cap. And so if you don't put on a good show and people aren't paying for it and the and the TV people aren't paying the rights fees that are going with it, it's going to affect somebody somewhere. Yeah, I know you and Femi talked about yesterday the dunk contest, too, was taking a step back. I did enjoy the three-point contest, and I thought the stuff with uh, Steph and Sabrina Ionescu was interesting and fun. But uh, I'm just curious what they can do to try to make it a better product or to your point while we in the ratings. How do you win the dunk contest and you're never in the league? Two years, Mac McClory's never played in the NBA. He's played like three games. We might as well get guys from the pole vaulting competition and the high jumpers to come over and see if they could dunk. That would be more entertaining. G, you know? G League Rookie of the Year, Mac McClung, by the way. Uh, but but yeah, every it just year, it wasn't every year. It wasn't. Um, oh, you know, well. it was something. Enough it was on television. It. Anyway, it was on the television. Uh, also, yeah. did you know? I know that we're going to do a segment tomorrow um, talking about lying season. You've put a list together. But does LeBron ever tell the truth about anything? Because he's talking about uh, how he <laughs> he found out the same time as all of us about yeah, the right, opportunity right. potentially with the yeah. Warriors. Okay, I'm sure. And then he's talking about retiring and whether or not he's going to do when that time comes the Tim Duncan <sighs> or he's going to do the victory lap type of a thing. We all know the league's not going to let you not do the victory lap. They need those ticket sales. They need the of ratings. Course of course. Like, come on. What are we doing? They need the ratings. That's right. That, that You said it perfectly. They need the ratings. Look, I, look. It, it, hopefully the second half of the NBA season will be more entertaining than the first half. Minnesota, Oklahoma City in the West looks like they're playing. We had JVT on yesterday. And he really believes the Clippers are the best team in the league. We'll see. You know, they look like it the way they're playing. A lot of people didn't think that the Harden trade would make that much of a difference. And it has. It hasn't affected their depth. They've been very good. So there's a lot to like about the NBA. It's just not the all-star game. I mean, I think that's the problem. And we have college basketball. And now we have Rick Patino upset, Stormy. Yeah, Michael, who do you think is in more distress today? Our guy, Elliot Bowman, having seen Purdue lose to Ohio State within interim head coach or Rick Pitino with all the comments that he's made after losing to Seton Hall, despite having a 19 point lead at halftime, by the way. Well, I, I think Pitino's upset. And, and look, I think he's made a mistake that a lot of people making now in this new era of sports. You know, when he comes in and when he came into St. John's, the expectations were he's going to turn this thing around. And, you know, when you're at Iona, you're getting a different kind of kid than you're getting at St. John. 
And so, you know, Patino's great at taking the three-star and making them into a four-star, taking the three-star and getting them into a five, or taking the two and making them a four. But now he ran everybody off the old regime's team. Mm -hmm. I think the leading scorer at Wisconsin's from St. John's that he ran off, that basically they ran off and brought in all these new players. And now he's complaining about the athleticism of the players that he scouted. It's one thing to blame the former coach. It's another thing to blame your own ability, right? Mm -hmm. And so the frustration, you know, look, when he took the jobs, they didn't have good facilities. I mean, so when you complain about something that's not that was there when you said yes to it, then why did you say yes if you knew they had bad facilities? I mean, you're not doing charitable work here. So speaking of the old regime, uh, they had nine players from Mike Anderson's previous squad that were run off into the transfer portal this offseason. They added 10 transfers and two ESPN 100 freshmen to go with just two holdovers from last year. Um, so here's some of the quotes from Patino for anyone who missed it. We just took who we could get, who was available. We had no choice. I didn't think we were going to win the first year anyway, because when you rush like that, you don't see the players. Not a whole lot we can do. He said, we are so unathletic that we can't guard without fouling. He said, for me, I've always enjoyed the first year, but I'm not going to lie to you. This is the most unenjoyable experience of my lifetime. These are just a few of the quotes, by the way. And also, I could think of some other things that you know, might've been an unenjoyable experiences for him in the coaching realm, but that's just me personally. But like, what is that? <laughs> what does that say about the way that he thinks about and is talking about his team right now? Well, I don't know. You know, like he's going to stand in front of him. He's basically called them all out. Yeah. And they're going to say, well, you recruited us. You told us to come here. I mean, like they just didn't show up out at the Queens. You know, St. John's ain't an easy place to get to. You got to know your way around. <laughs> you need Google Maps to get there, right? Like, they just didn't show up. Right. I mean, they just came up. So, look, you know, it's it's frustrating. And, and I think to me, the the again, this is all about the expectations. You can feel it. You know, he's got this reputation for turning things around like Jim Harbaugh's and he's done it before. But when he was at Iona, he, he nobody was expecting much from him at Iona. And he kind of created his team and they listened and they bought in. Do you really think his Iona teams were better than this team at St. John's? I find that hard to believe, but I think I think this is the big problem in college sports, football, in any sport really, is you have to find players that are willing to be coached. Yeah. And sometimes that's a hard thing to do. I know it sounds easy, but sometimes it's hard. And this coming recruiting cycle, if you're another head coach in the Big East, you're probably saying, listen to how this guy talks about his players. You want to go play for him? No, come play yeah. for me. Um, speaking of the facilities, he did make that comment. Do we have blank facilities? Yes, we do. I'm just going to say bad in terms of the blank. Do we have bad facilities? Yes, we do. We're going to do something about that. Having bad facilities has nothing to do with guarding, which is great. Um, St. John's, by the way, now lost eight of their last 10. They're 14 and 12 on the year, six and eight in Big East play. The good news, they played Georgetown on Wednesday, who has one win the last two months. The bad news, Patino said on the podium as well, they can definitely beat us. So lots of optimism around the St. John's <laughs> program right now. Um, we well, do it have... looks like anybody could beat them, Stormy. It looks like anybody could beat them. Maybe we should get a team together and see if we can beat them. <laughs> I would. Uh, you know, I've got the, I've got the knee problems, you know, I'm getting up there in age, but we'll see what we can do. We're uh, we're going to hit the break here. We'll talk a little bit more college hoops later on when Thomas Gable, director of the race and sports at the Borgata, joins us. A big top 20 clash coming up later on this evening. But the franchise tag window opens tomorrow. Who are some potential options there and free agent conversations? Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You know, watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not, never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament? Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But, like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was – Creighton is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. that. Like, that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a, is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of the Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t why are you, you telling me? You've seen the whole time. 
And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your life sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. If you haven't already, make sure you check out vsin.com. Our new website has a fresh new look, enhanced navigation, a mobile first focus, improved functionality, and a whole lot more. Lots of best bets and evaluations in the NBA. College hoops up on the site right now, including a great article from Zach Cohen looking at the NBA Eastern Conference teams. Uh, coming out of the all-star break. Speaking of the East, by the way, in case you missed it, Brooklyn Nets fired their head coach, Jacques Vaughn, today as well. One seed back and two games back of Atlanta. And the the 10, important, of course, because of the play-in situation in the NBA. Welcome back to the Lombardi line alongside Michael Lombardi, Stormy Bond, and Tony. But it is also, Michael, 24 hours or less now um, for the franchise tag window to open. Uh, A lot to discuss in terms of the franchise tag in the NFL, potential free agents and landing spots. And so one guy that is pretty interesting to get into is Chris Jones after he made his drunken uh, speech to the crowd the other day at the parade saying that he wants another ring and he's ready to be back in Kansas City. Um, we, We saw over the weekend that the Chiefs picked up that 2028 contract option for his deal, which is a format just puts an extra four and a quarter million dollars in his pocket. But as of Wednesday, the remaining years of his contract will void and the Chiefs will have to make a decision. Do you think ultimately he remains in Kansas City as the minus 225 odds would indicate or he could test free agency and go elsewhere? Well, I, I think he'll test it. But, you know, if somebody's going to have to overpay, right, I think he'll go out to the market and he'll basically go to the Chiefs and say, look, here's what I have available to me. You know, if you can get to this now, the Chiefs have got to play a little bit of poker here. It's liars poker, right? Do do we believe them? Do we think that's what it is? You know, but I think the kid wants to stay there. I think they're going to have a plan for him to stay there. I mean, look, even for uh, even for the even for, you know, the holdout that he had, it was very amicable, right? There was nothing, you know, there was no hostility. They gave him a chance to earn all the money back rather easily. It was not somebody got upset. So I I think at the end of the day, the way they handled his holdout and gave him the opportunity to get paid back, that it'll be easy enough for him to want to say, hey, I want to be here. He likes Joe Cullen, the line coach. He likes the defense. And look, he's, you know, he's getting to the point where this contract will be his last contract. And unless somebody blows him out of the water, he has a better chance to earn the years of this contract than he does if he goes somewhere else. And they say, well, you know, he's just not the same player. We got to cut him. See, that's what happens to these guys, right? You go somewhere where they have a ton of cap room, let's say. And then they realize you're not the player that they paid for. They don't mind cutting you because they can eat the cap room. 
Um, and Andy Reid went out and said, obviously, they'd love to have him back. He said he thinks the effort on both sides will be there to try to get something done. And he was the backbone of this Chiefs defense that the team needed to rely upon to get to this point and to win a, a second Super Bowl back-to-back years. I just wonder, because as you say, like it's it's not going to come cheap in, in this position, does it bode well that they've had issues trying to get a contract done in the past with Chris Jones? That's That was my one question about him returning. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, look, I I think it's what usually happens in these situations is the agent kind of gauges the market, right? He kind of knows what's out there. Like, let's take Mike Evans, who's going to be a free agent. There was a projected deadline today that the Bucks self-imposed on them. Well, you, Mike, Mike Evans' agent kind of knows the market. Now you say, well, that's tampering. Well, that's his job to know the market, right? That's his job. Does he think he's going? Does he have it in his hand? No. If he had it in his hand, that would be tampering. Does he have it conceptually? Yeah. He kind of feels like, okay, this is what I think I'm going to get. It's no different than, you know, you're going to put your house up for sale. You kind of have a sense of what the market is, right? You haven't put the sign out front, but you have a sense. You, you may put the sign out front. You may not. You may say, hell with it. I don't want to sell it. You know, and I think that's what it is. And and so because the agent knows that, unless the team gets to where he thinks the market's going to be, there's no sense in doing a deal. There's no games, right? There's no way of getting injured. There's no way of not getting the money, right? Now, sometimes you overjudge this. You get out to the market. Wait a minute. That market wasn't as robust. Now, Drew Rosenhouse, the agent, he's very good in these situations. He pivots with the best of them. He'll turn around and change, But for the most part, that's the job of the agent is to figure out what the market is and then have the have then listen to what the team's saying and then tell the player, look, here's the deal. What I think most fans don't understand, Stormy, is nine times out of 10, when a guy gets to the market, the home team isn't involved. Right. The home team doesn't want the player. The agent tries to convince you the home team does because that eval- that increases the value of the contract. But typically, if you get to the market, the home team's saying, well, we really don't want you. We want you to test the market to tell us what it is. We'll get you back at our number, not yours. The number for the Kansas City Chiefs and Chris Jones, again, minus 225 for him to return to Kansas City and search for a third straight Super Bowl with the team. For uh, Mike Evans, who you mentioned, minus 165 for him to remain with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Both of these guys, by the way, because of their projected franchise tags, likely not an option from that standpoint because the number would be so high. But for Mike Evans, Michael, there's been a lot of teams that you know would like to have somebody with his services he's a thousand yard season magnet right i mean and and look he's a and he's a big play guy he's frustrating because sometimes he has the you know the ability to make this incredible play and sometimes he you know he drops passes like we saw against the lions but you're talking about a very reliable outside receiver that requires double coverage. And he has the ability to be a number one receiver. He still has the ability to get down the field. You still have to try to take him out of the game. You can't leave him alone. He can win against one-on-one coverage. He's 30 years old, but he's still doing all those things. Now, you know, three years, you got to say to yourself, okay, he's still going to be a good player. Great in the red zone because of his six-foot-five size, the ability to make those plays. But, you know, I mean – I think the Bucs want to sign him. They also want to sign Baker. But let's go to Baker for a second here. There's a report out that the Patriots could be interested in Baker. Well, why? Why would the Patriots be interested in paying for a starting quarterback when they have the third pick overall in the draft? Would they be interested in a backup quarterback? Perhaps. Yes, they need one. But they're not going to pay $35, $40 million for Baker and then pick a quarterback third overall. So whereas Evans, if you sign him, you're getting a starting quarterback. You're getting a starting receiver. And I think a guy that's, you know, averaged 15.9 yards a catch and his career, he averages 15.3. So you're talking about a guy who's got 94 career touchdowns and he had 13 last year. 
What about Saquon Barkley? We're back at it again with his deal this offseason. <laughs> um, Joe Shane said at the oh end my. of season presser that the franchise tag was a tool they would have at their disposal. Um, he did not add that no tag clause to his contract when he redid it before the start of the season. But there are also reports that the team does not plan to do that. You've talked a lot about how much the Giants want to do right by Saquon, want to sign him. He's a minus 150 favorite to remain with the New York football Giants. Do you think that ends up being the case? Well, I mean, look, it comes down to contract. I mean, all right, you're going to sign Saquon back. You had him on the team this year, right? You know, and, and he played in 14 games. You know, averaged 3.9 yards a carry. Well, we wish weren't good enough in the offensive line. Okay, well, are you going to be better? I mean, if he, if he takes the money and you pay him $12 million a year, have you really changed your team? Have you changed your – you've improved his pay, pay level, right? Mm-hmm. And we've seen him since 20 playing – you know, he missed three games in 21. He played in all the game. missed one game in 22. He missed three games in 24. So you're paying a lot of money for a guy that really you haven't been able to win with when you've had him. Okay? So wouldn't you be better off saying, maybe I should sign another player at less money – and then spread his money around. That would be the practical thing to do. I don't think the Giants are practical. They love their players. And so Barkley has that advantage over him. Do I think Barkley's a good player? Yeah. Would I pay Barkley $14 million a year? Absolutely not. I'd find another running back somewhere somehow. Well, and I get it from their standpoint visually. Like, he's their most famous player. He's their most beloved. He's the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. Um And he had a rough go with quarterbacks. You think about this year, like I still feel from him in the standpoint that they paid Daniel Jones instead of him to begin with last year. But then also you have Daniel Jones who goes down and gets injured. You have Tyrod Taylor for a handful of games before. I mean, he's injured. And then you have Tommy Cutlets and then you go back to Tyrod Taylor. It's just, it was a mess this year. So I, I feel for him in a lot of areas. I I just wonder, I, I can't see him going anywhere else. Like I would feel most comfortable laying the minus 150 with him versus taking the plus money on any other team for Saquon next year. Me too, because I don't know if anybody's going to pay him. Like, who else is going to pay him that the the Giants wouldn't match? And I think your point's well taken. That's the thing, right? You know, do the Giants want to pay 13 a year? No. But who does? Mm. Who's paying that? You know, for all the complaining about the running back market, you know, we saw Eckler not have a good year, right? You know, McCaffrey's in a separate category, but we we've saw Achun go down to Miami and light it up as a rookie, right? We we see these young players come on and Gibbs and you know we see all this happen. Like, are the Eagles going to pay Swift? I mean, did they get that much out of them? I think that's a fair question. Absolutely. These young players keep coming in the league. They're cheap on those rookie deals versus the the absurd amounts of money that these running backs are asking for. And I I know a lot of them feel like they genuinely deserve it. Uh, We've got to take the break. College hoops with Thomas Gable when we come back on the Lombardi line. We'll be right back. This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for a betting edge on college basketball, the VSEN experts have you covered. Become a VSEN Pro subscriber today and get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming college hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus full access to VSEN.com with our exclusive betting slip breakdowns on every single game. VSEN.com slash pro is where you can subscribe today. That's VSIN.com slash pro. This is the Lombardi Line. Michael Lombardi and Stormy Bon and Tony with you. Happy to head behind the counter with our guy TG, Thomas Gable, director of the race and sportsbook at the Borgata out there in Atlantic City. And it's interesting, this first full week past the Super Bowl, thinking about what all is out there. It ended up being a pretty busy weekend with the all-star bookings that you guys could do, the Genesis and the PGA, and of course, college hoops with a, a huge upset in Ohio State and Purdue. So I imagine even though things have slowed down, they never really slow down for you, Thomas? Yeah, it's it's the first week post uh, football, so you know it's interesting. The NBA obviously is on the All Star break, so it's really uh, college basketball. At least for us, college basketball is what takes center stage, um, much more so than the NHL. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was a very strong weekend of handle for for college, and things will really pick up here now. That's where the betters' attention kind of goes to now that football's over. People just start now looking at college basketball and uh, seeing which teams are going to be there and 
making a run uh, for a berth uh, in the tournament. And, uh, and we're deep into conference play at this point in the season. So uh, but for a lot of betters, this is kind of like their first uh, glance really getting into it. TG, as you look over the landscape, and I know you love college hoop and you watch it, is UConn that much dominating, or, or or do you think they're beatable? I mean, they dominated number four Marquette. They seem to be operating on all cylinders. Is there a team that you've seen that meh? If they play, if they play UConn, they have a chance. Well, I think there's three schools in terms of power ratings, uh, potentially four with Arizona, but three schools that kind of stand. Uh, in that upper crust of college basketball. And UConn is right there. Uh, it's Houston and Purdue. And then, again, you could possibly throw in Arizona, but there there would be four. Um, but UConn, you know, I think they're interchangeable at number one between them and Houston at this point. A very, very dominant win against Marquette, as you said, on Saturday. I was surprised at just how easy of a time that was for UConn. Now they do have to play them again. Uh coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, so at Marquette in that one and, and UConn has a tough, uh, tough game tomorrow as well against Creighton. So, uh, you know, the big East is a, is a tougher conference and we'll see how they handle it as they, they close out conference play and go into the tournament. But UConn is right there. Uh, again, I, I'd say it's, it's them Houston and Purdue that I would say are the, the three teams there that, uh, certainly have the the most strength uh, coming into the tournament this year. Um, for for Purdue, obviously they get upset by Ohio State seventy three sixty nine in Jake Diebler's debut as interim head coach for Ohio State. The Buckeyes had been on this run of losing nine of eleven games. They fired their head coach on Wednesday, and they come out and didn't really trail at all during that game against Purdue. I know it ended up being close at the end, but they win. It, how do you view Purdue after a loss like that? Are are they going to be back for a vengeance next week? And you should be really really terrified of playing this team. And same thing for Ohio State. Is it a letdown spot for them against Minnesota on Thursday? How do you view teams after a game like that? Uh, well, I think Ohio State probably uh, is due for maybe a letdown. I mean, that was an emotional game. And as you said, with the coaching change that happened there, uh, you know, we'll have to see what that number uh, comes out at for the market. But uh, in terms of Purdue, listen, this is a squad that I know nobody really wants to put their hard-earned money uh, at work again for backing this team just because of how we've seen them go, on de- go down in flames uh, in tournaments past. And uh, it's kind of like with Matt Painter. It's, you know, you fool me once, but nobody wants to get fooled again. So uh, until they actually do it, until they actually make a deep run into the Final Four or into the finals, uh, I don't know if you're going to see a ton of backing uh, in Purdue. But – you know, this was they, they stubbed their toe there at Ohio State yesterday. Uh, this is only the third loss of the season. They the other two losses were to a good Nebraska squad there and Northwestern. They lost in overtime. So uh, the sky is not falling for Purdue. Uh, this is still one of the top teams in college basketball. But again, when you get into the tournament, this is where kind of all the doubters and the naysayers come out of the woodwork, and with good reason because we have seen the story play out time and again with them. So uh, I think it's uh, a different story, though, this year. Braden Smith is a legit player to uh, uh, to compliment Zach Eady there, who's probably going to win College Player of the Year again. Uh, so this is, this is a very, very good Purdue basketball team, uh, and it's just a matter of maybe it's more mental than anything else when it gets to tournament time for them. TG, how about a team outside that Creighton? Creighton's ten to one to get to the Final Four. Is there a team you like outside that ten to one range that you said, you know, this has got the makings of a Final Four team? Now I know a lot of this is predicated on seeding because if you're not seeded correctly, you know, you could lose. And sometimes we see the seeded seeds help a team get to the finals. But is there a team outside that ten to one range that you would say, boy, it's worth me playing right now? I mean, there's plenty of teams uh, between uh, 10 and 20 to one that you could make a case for. Uh, I'll start with Alabama 
And, um, you know, those guys can absolutely just light up the scoreboard. Uh, they've hit the hundred point mark a few times this year. Uh, it's just a ton of offense out of that team. Um, they're sitting at 18 to one right now. Um, even Kansas with the up and down season that they've had 20 to one, you can, you can get them right now. Uh, they were one of the preseason picks and I still think they have the talent to do it. They have the coaching to do it. Uh, and a good price right now at 20 to one, I I wouldn't uh, talk anybody out of making that play. Uh, North Carolina sitting there at 18 to one, as you said, Creighton 30 to one, they made a deep run last year. If you're looking to, to back a team with, with higher odds at this point um, that you think can maybe get to an elite eight or final four. That's really all you need to do. And then you can start to monetize that ticket. Um, You know, Kentucky had a lot of backers. They had an impressive win this uh, past weekend, 25 to one, you can get Kentucky at. So uh, there's plenty of good schools. I think have a chance to make it to the final four that are still well above 10 to one in terms of odds. Thomas Gable, director of the race and sportsbook at the Borgata joining us live on the Lombardi line. Let's look to tonight where we've got a top 10 clash with first place in the big 12 on the line. Third ranked Houston taking on 10th ranked Iowa state. The Cougars are laying nine total anywhere. What I'm seeing between 128 and a half and 131 and a half. Where are you guys at right now? Mm -hmm. And is there a play that you like on tonight's big matchup? Yeah, so I like Iowa State here uh, taking the points. And this is you're seeing the total start to creep up in this one a little bit. Uh, this Iowa State team is extremely good. And, Michael, I apologize for leaving them out of uh, the, the last uh, little part where we were talking about teams with high rods. They beat Houston um, earlier this season. In fact, that was Houston's first loss of the year. 57-53, very low-scoring affair. But this Iowa State team, uh, they can turn you over. They're tremendous defensively, much like Houston. Houston is pretty much the number one defensive team in the country by uh, all the all the metrics there with the adjusted defic- efficiency. Um, they can defend the three, the two, it doesn't matter, and they can certainly create turnovers. And that's really what – Kelvin Sampson has always preached. They jump in the passing lanes. Uh, they rebound. They, they always hit the boards. And uh, a lot of the problem with Houston, and uh, believe me, I love this Houston squad. I've loved them for a few years. They just play a different brand of basketball than so many other programs. But their issue always comes down to, on the offensive side of things, do they run into some sort of dry spell during a game? And Iowa State certainly has the ability to make them run into a dry spell. I think it's a little bit too many points here tonight. So I would be taking Iowa State plus the nine and a half here. And GG, real quickly, we've got about 30 seconds, but your Des Moines play of the day, we're ready for it. What you got? <laughs> okay, so this is going to be uh, the total. We're going to go under in Mississippi Valley State and Alabama State. 129 and a half. We go under there. Mississippi Valley State, the worst team in Division One college basketball. They've been the worst team all year. Uh, I think the spread here, about 15 and a half, is about right. But neither of these teams are good offensively. And uh, Alabama State, certainly a little bit better defensively than they are on the offensive side. These two teams did play already. Uh, this year went way under the total in the first game. I expect to go under again tonight. The Delta Devils and the Hornets. Leave it to you, TG. You're the man. Thank Love you so it. much for today. You're awesome. Thanks, TG. Right, thank awesome. Excited to check in with him throughout the remaining college basketball season and looking ahead to the NCAA tournament. We're going to hit the break. More Lombardi Line coming at you next on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. 
Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. game. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can deposit $5 and get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 in bonus bet if your first bet loses. Download the app and use the promo code VSIN when you sign up. That's V-S-I-N, DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. It's officially the offseason, which means it's time for exit interviews here on the Lombardi line. So just like teams do with players and coaches at the end of the season, we're going to take stock in how things ended for a number of teams, where they might need to improve or change moving forward all the things so let's start michael in the afc north a division that many considered last year to be on paper going into the season maybe the best division in football i'm sure a lot of people will think that again next season as well with the ravens Browns, steelers and Bengals. three of those teams had double digit wins and postseason berths cincinnati obviously lost their star quarterback mid-season with joe burrow due to injury but a lot of expectations moving forward for these teams so let's start with the baltimore ravens here Michael had an MVP season from Lamar Jackson, a team that was ranked extremely highly in total offense and total defense, but came up short losing in the AFC championship to the Kansas City Chiefs. Why did they fall short of their full potential? Well, besides, you know, there's players, coaches and scheme that that always seems to kind of have to be weighed in the offseason. Do we do a good job in terms of having the right players? Is our scheme adaptive to the players we have? And then certainly is our coaching and our strategy, is that what it was to be? And I think when you look at Baltimore, you certainly can be critical of the strategy of the game. Didn't run the football. That's the strength of our team. But when you peel the back a little bit, I think you got to dig deeper and say, look, we got to get better in the offensive line. John Simpson is a kid they picked up off the street, started at guard. Kevin Zeitler's an older player. They got it was a cap casualty of the Giants. He those two starting guards are free agents. They got to get better there. And then Ronnie Stanley's one of their highest paid players on their team, and he doesn't play enough to really be the highest paid player on the team. And Morgan Moses is another over 30 guy. So for all the conversation about not running the football, they've got to improve the offensive line at the tackle and in the inside guard position. And they got to get healthy at running back, right? They're going to need to get a backup quarterback, as Huntley could get some offers to potentially become a starter somewhere, maybe compete because he's never going to play behind Lamar. And then defensively, they've got some real issues, right? Their two best players they picked up 
off the free agent market street, you know, Clowney in August and then Van Noy in September. Queen's a free agent. They've got to handle him. And, uh, and Matabuka, the defensive tackle, he's a free agent. And he's, you know, he probably is a candidate to be franchised if they can afford to do that. So they've got a lot of things to fix this offseason. It's just not going to be as smooth as it would be like. But I think it's got to focus on the offensive and the defensive lines. They spent a lot of money on free agency. I mean, they spent a lot of money on Beckham. They put $18 million into Odell Beckham for what they got out of him wasn't worth it. They could have really used that money somewhere else if they would have been able to take that money and put it into, say, redoing a player's contract. So for me, as you step back, get away from the lack of strategy in the game, they've got to improve both lines. On DraftKings, they are a 9-1 to shot to win the Super Bowl next year, third on the odds board behind only the San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs who played in this past year's Super Bowl. But I do worry that because of the toughness at least on paper of what's going to come in this division that the Ravens could potentially take a step back and not repeat as division winners you look at the Cleveland Browns who are hoping to get Deshaun Watson back and actually get a little bang for the massive bucks that they have invested in him but 11 and 6 last year their wild card round loss uh, to the Texans a big disappointment given what they had what about the Browns what do you think uh, their end of season review is and what they need to do moving forward they need to get somebody opposite. they got to keep Garrett healthy, but they need somebody opposite. Zadarius Smith wasn't as good down the stretch as they needed him to be. Shelby Harris, they need the inside the defensive lineman. I mean, the one thing I think you're going to see from the Browns is a commitment to the defensive front. I could see them being – they have cap room. I could see that they're willing to spend. I could see them being all in on trying to find another defensive lineman to go along with. They need a blue-chip player to go along with Garrett, and I don't think they quite have that on their team right now, and I think that's going to be something. Their offensive line, if it could stay healthy, and that was a big thing. It couldn't stay healthy, but one thing it would prove to them is they found depth, right? They were able to find James Hudson. They were able to find Dewan Jones. They drafted those two. So they've got two young tackles. So they should be good. We hope Chubb comes back and can play, but they found a way to make it work with the other running backs. They've got to keep Watson on a trajectory of improvement because we saw a little bit of it in the Baltimore game when they played in Baltimore, but it wasn't there all season. So I think the focus on the Browns has got to be in the defensive front. I think they've got to get better up front so they don't fade away and they don't play poorly on the road. You know, everybody's going to want them to draft another receiver and do all that. I think certainly they could use another skill player, but I think it's really going to come down to defensive linemen. They can't, they got to give somebody alongside of Garrett that you've got to really worry about. Yeah. And I mean, even with what they had this year, obviously that defense was great. So if you could make it that much better and give your offense that comfort would be huge. Um, what about the Pittsburgh Steelers? Obviously, a position that's going to be in flux for them is the quarterback position. Kenny Pickett is not looking like the first round draft pick that they hoped he ultimately would be. But even with such lackluster quarterback play and having three guys play the position this year, still ended up in the playoffs. They fire Matt Canada, bring in Arthur Smith to run the offense. Um, what's the most important thing for them to do this offseason? Fix the quarterback. They got a good team, right? And they're going to return a bunch of the players defensively, too. Now, they've got cap issues. They've got to get below the cap. So all this conversation about signing Kirk, Kirk Cousins, not going to happen. You know, they're going to have to get below the cap. They're going to have to continue and improve in their defensive front. And they're going to have to improve their offensive line. But it's all going to be on the quarterback. They've got skilled players. They've got draft picks. So they've got a chance to get this thing going in the right direction with one more draft. And picking up some free agents, nothing that's going to cost them a lot of money. Some of those, I don't want to call them minimum salary guys, but guys that could come in and really contribute to help Watt, to help Highsmith, I think can really help this team. They're going to benefit from Arthur Smith. They're going to benefit from his ability to call runs. Remember, we get so critical of guys who are bad head coaches that become, uh, the next year they become coordinators. Well, I mean, Spagnuolo was a 22% winning percentage coach as a head coach. You know, he's a really good coordinator. Maybe not a head coach, but he's a really good coordinator. So I think that's Pittsburgh's mantra. They've got to get better at the quarterback position. And I think there's so much conversation about, oh, they're going to bring in Russell Wilson. They're going to bring in, you know, they're going to make a trade for Justin Fields or they're going to, you know, sign Kirk. I think they're going to bring somebody in and they're going to tell the guy he's got to compete for a starting job. I think they're going to leave it wide open. They're going to give Rudolph. They're going to give Pickett. And whomever this next guy is, whether it's Jacoby Brissett, 
or whether it's, you know, maybe it's Russell Wilson, but they're not going to pay him a contract that says he's the starter. They're not paying starter money to the guy they bring in. I am genuinely curious who ultimately that's going to be because they have so much talent and potential. You would just like to see some of that realized for a team that's been in quarterback purgatory the last handful of years with Big Ben, who is essentially an immobile tree at the back end of his career. And then Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky and Mason Mason Rudolph ended up being the best quarterback of the three, uh, the back end of last year. Crazy. Uh, Now, I mean, and he's on the team and they were watching him. That is a whole other conversation for another day. Why you're trying to force Mitch Trubisky down our throats, even though at practice it had to have been Mason Rudolph (laughs) that was the better answer. But neither here nor there because Trubisky was released last week. Uh, The Cincinnati Bengals, last but most certainly not least, because if they bring back Joe Burrow healthy, they are certainly going to be a team that's trying to get to a Super Bowl and face off with the Kansas City Chiefs as that top dog in the AFC. Um what do what what are what's your perspective on the Bengals? What else do they need in addition to obviously their quarterback getting back on his feet? Well, I think they need to keep T. Higgins and they need to figure out DJ Reader. Those are the two top free agents that they have. I think there's no question they're going to keep Higgins. They'll franchise him. They've got 60 million of cap room. So that's not going to be an issue. They've got to figure out the reader. They need another defensive lineman, a defensive tackle. When he's healthy, he was really good for them. And they've got money to spend, right? They've been very young on defense because they went through that transitional state, right? They played Dak Hill last year at safety. They played battle. Two young players. And I think once they've been in a Amaromo's system for another year, they'll improve. They, they need more corner help if they can get it. Cam Taylor Britt was hurt sometime during the season, you know, and so I think they're going to need to get some of that, but they're, they're pieces to fix. It's the offense, right? Mm-hmm. Jonah Williams, their starting right tackle, who's not a great right tackle. I don't think they'll sign him. I think to me, he's one of those players where you know, it's all predicated on the number. You can find another right tackle. You don't have to overpay. They don't have a tight end on their team. Every one of their tight ends on their team are free agents. Now, they like Drew Sample. He played well for them. They signed Irv Smith last offseason. He wasn't very good. So they need a tight end. Can they get one in the open market? Yeah. I think the one thing the Bengals will do is a good job of keeping their star players. They'll keep Higgins. I don't know if they'll keep Tyler Boyd because I think they feel like they can get an inside receiver. I think they need to overspend for that. They need to find other defensive linemen. Yeah, uh, a lot of great points. And uh, when it comes to the wide receiver room, obviously want to keep as much of that gang together for their quarterback as possible. They do lose their offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan, who's now the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. But Zach Taylor runs that group and calls the plays anyways. We're going to have to hit the break here. Resetting for hour two when we come back. As Michael mentioned with T. Higgins, the franchise tag window is opening tomorrow. What that? What teams might that be a good option for? And more when we come back. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. At- 